Greetings and salutations to you all. This is Dee Dee Moonflyer. Welcome to Twilight Tonic, your weekly voyage to points distant and parts unknown. We'll discuss all things paranormal, spiritual, weird, and wonderful. So if you're ready, grab your favorite tonic, your best comfy chair, and let's begin. Twilight Tonic. I'm very excited. Michael Christopher is back and I also have a guest with him that I've been looking forward to as well as interviewing. It's Jennifer Lee. As you know, Michael is an evidential medium and Jennifer Lee is also, she is a death doula, a psychic, and she also does energy work. How are you guys tonight? Doing good. good. You? <laughs> I'm doing quite well. Thank you. You guys, for people that don't know, I want both of you to explain to people what an evidential medium is, starting with Jennifer. I was going to pawn it off on Michael. Okay. I was going to pawn it off on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll just say this. I mean, Isn't it a medium that ha- gets evidence? Is that correct? Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's It's a label. Everybody does the same thing. It's just there's these labels that just, in my opinion, need to fade away. Uh-huh. Because we all strive for the same thing. Mediums who do this work when they connect to the other side, our job is to provide evidence that that is their person. And that means not giving vague, you know, rainbow sherbet kind of readings. It's, uh-huh. you know, coming down with the, you know, how did this person pass? You know, what age did they pass? What was their passing condition? You know, what was their hobbies? You know, on and on. I mean, that's not an all-inclusive list. But that's the stuff that I believe mediums should be striving for, you know, to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this is their person by giving evidence. So in in, in essence, that's what a medium should be. So whether we're an evidential or, you know, the hundreds of names that are probably floating around out there to describe what we do. So, yeah. So that's my my take on it anyway. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I just want to expand on the evidence a little bit. I know Michael did mention some mm-hmm. um, some things that can be evidence, but some of my favorite pieces of evidence that come in would be memories, and they may be, they may go back many many years, and spirit will be able to highlight a time or highlight a memory. Sometimes a, a favorite object that has significance between the sitter and the spirit communicator, they will come through with. Um, you know, traits that they had while they were, while they were here on earth, they, they always present as the sitter knows them. And so when we bring in that evidential information, it, it just makes for just a beautiful, beautiful reading because it's very, like Michael said, it's not vague and it's very personal. Right. Now, Jennifer, what got you started in all of this? Well, it wasn't necessarily an intentional start. It became Mm -hmm. that. Um, But, you know, it just it just became very, very apparent about 2015 that things were shifting with me, that this was actually happening. And then from there, I made, you know, an intentional effort to learn more about it. And uh, it just it had a huge impact on my life. Spirit had a huge impact on my life at, at about that time. And so I just decided that I would, um, I would walk this path and I would see where it, where it took me. It really kind of started with some curiosity, to be honest, like, you know, it just, I wanted to explore it and one thing has led to another. So I can't say that it was, you know, one specific thing, really. It Mm -hmm. just developed, it just kind of, kind of naturally developed And then again, uh, like I said, in 2015, there were some circumstances that just kind of blew it wide open for me. Mm -hmm. And I decided to step in and explore it. And here we are. Michael, when you 
I remember when we when I interviewed you. Did yours did yours start about the same time period as Jennifer's? Yeah, twenty fifteen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I find that interesting. Um, a lot of my friends got more into spirituality about that time. Interesting. I, I wonder what it is about that time area. You know that time period where everybody was more looking into meditation, looking into more spiritual classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jennifer, I I was this definitely was not something I was looking for. So I wasn't like, ooh, I want to be a medium. Right. <laughs> not at all. Right? Not at all. And there's days now. I wasn't even, like, we, I wasn't we even on my radar. No. Like, <laughs> and we still joke. It's like, why are we doing this? Why are we still putting ourselves through this? Because it is some days. <laughs> I, it's hard work. It is. It's hard. It, and, you know, I find it interesting because when you said, you know, it wasn't even on your radar. I think that's how a lot of people find professions and find things they're supposed to do in life. They don't even think about it. It just happens somehow. Yeah. It's your calling. It's what you're supposed to be doing. Now, with all this experience, both of you, what has in the past couple of years, do you feel with everything going on, do you feel like your abilities are getting stronger? I don't know that it has to do with anything that's going on externally in my case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like it just has to do with my own personal development. I mean, the answer to that would be obviously the more that I apply myself and the more that I learn and the more that I practice, the more I'm going to grow. It's in my case anyway, it's not necessarily anything external in the energy or anything that's, that's doing it. It's my, it is my own commitment to my development and my growth. So it, that's kind of a two-part answer. The answer for me would be yes, but nothing external. It would all be internal. Sure. Me. Sure. That would make a lot of sense. How about you, Michael? Same. It's it's intentional. Um, and, you know, me, myself, you know, I'm going into my ninth year doing this and I'm in a development course right now with a, a mentor from uh, England. And the sole purpose for that was I never want to get comfortable doing this work. And I always want to push myself because... It's easy to just get to a comfort zone and go, okay, that's all, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't want it to be comfortable. I want to push. I want to see what, you know, there are no limits to this work. So I don't just sit idly by. I am constantly developing. I'm constantly thinking about my philosophy because mm-hmm. that's constantly changing. You know, who I am now is not the same person I was in 2015, nor are my beliefs around this work. And like Jennifer said, externally, I believe has like, very little to do with any of this. I that's wholeheartedly believe that everything I do is because I have an intention to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, it, it, that's a very broad subject and topic that you could probably beat around for hours. But um, I, I don't know. The philosophy for me is externally has very little to do with it. Gotcha. Yeah. And you can let that get into your head. Uh, and you can let it actually hinder your abilities as yes. well. So it's just something that I don't really take into account when I'm working. It's Can, can I give an example? Of course. Yes. So Mars retrograde, let's talk about this. And I know this is going to ruffle feathers <laughs> and I don't care because I'm all about, you know, helping people understand their own way. To me, that's an excuse. And I know that's going to come off as harsh, but I believe a lot of people listen to what other things have been said and what other people talk about. And I believe people cling to that, whether intentionally or not. But they're like, okay, I'm having a bad reading. Oh, it must be Mars retrograde. No, that again, that's an external influence that has nothing to do with your mediumship, in my opinion. Um, It's it's you as the medium. Um, So that's just my opinion and my experience. Because I rarely ever notice a difference in my reading, no matter what's going on with all these, you know, different things that people talk about. But like Jennifer said, if you think about that and internalize it, well, mm-hmm. then you're going to have that thought that, oh, that's why. So you're going to yes, already have that, that implanted, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to set yourself up for that is what you're going to do. And not just with reading, but for me, it's every, it, it's everything, uh, 
around me, you know, when people ask me about those. And and again, there there probably is something to it. I just choose not to follow that mm-hmm. because for me, if I get in my head, ooh, here comes retrograde, everything's gonna suck. It's gonna be a real crappy two weeks, expect stuff to go bad. Guess what's going to happen? It's exactly what's going to happen. I've set myself up for that. Right. Self prophecy. I don't allow them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Out of curiosity, before you guys do a reading, do you guys do any kind of medic, any meditation, any kind of automatic writing? What is your comfort zone? How do you begin? <laughs> I listen to 80s rock. I listen to at least one song of 80s rock. I'm not kidding. That's what I do. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I music. And I dance around for a minute if I have to. Uh it makes me happy. It puts me in a good space. And, you know, I don't, that's when I have the time, like if I know I'm going to do a demonstration or something, yeah, I generally take three, three and a half minutes and that's what I do to prepare. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. I kind of like that. That's the first I've ever heard of that, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Michael plays drums or something. I don't know. (laughs) No, I, I literally like look at the clock and go, my reading's in four minutes, better go back there and sit down. I literally do nothing. <laughs> and, no, and, and it's honestly, I, again, this is this is early on philosophy for me. It's like early on, my very first teacher said I had to meditate 20 minutes before each reading. So when I didn't know any better, that's what I did. And mm-hmm. quickly, I'm like, this is, this is, this is kind of crazy. Why do I have to sit here and meditate to talk to some, a spirit? I don't have to sit and meditate when I want to talk to a human. And literally, I stopped meditating. I'm like, this is nonsense. And I sat down the next reading that I had scheduled, sat down right before the time, and off we go. Spirit's there. So my point there, and again, I'm very blunt with this because I want people to understand there's more than one way. And I know there's other people that get frustrated because they don't have that same experience, but it's literally a switch in my mind. When I switch, when I shift my mind to spirit and think about them, I'm connected. There's nothing else I need to do. I'm, I'm here. Let's go. They're here. They're already here. <laughs> yeah. And that really is, that really is the, w- the way that it works. I was taught the same as Michael was talking about that I needed to, to sit in meditation or sit with spirit for, you know, this, this 20 or 25 minutes before every session. And I did it faithfully. And of course it took a lot of time. It took a lot of stuff. And remember what actually happened. I think it was, it just couldn't happen before reading. And same as Michael, I was like, wow. And actually, it was a little bit better. I had higher energy because I had just spent this 20 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So I do not do that before a reading either. Now, I'm not discounting the benefit of meditation because I do meditate. Mm -hmm. Um, I do take that time to sit with myself, um, but it's not necessarily or ever at this point right before a reading. That's just part of this development that we were talking about earlier. It's just kind of part of my development practice. And I'm not overly consistent about it. Some days it's five minutes. That's all I can do. Some days it's 60 minutes, you know, and it's mm-hmm. not every day. It's it's part of my development, part of my practice. It yes, is beneficial in many areas of life, but it is not something that's absolutely necessary to do mediumship. Right. And I think it's really crazy because you're right with classes I've taken, they have this regimen that they do and Mm -hmm. people will actually argue with you if that doesn't, you know, if you don't follow their regimen and it's like, but everybody's ability and gift is, is different. Why does everybody have to do the same thing? Well, there's a cooker, a cookie cutter routine that's been, you know, duplicated over the years because mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of trends, especially with the spiritualist side of it. Um, you know, that's where a lot of that comes from because that's the, you know, that's where it all started, the spiritualist movement in, you know, um, Europe. And, you know, over here in the United States, the way we look at mediumship is different from them and they scoff at some of the things we do or don't do. Mm-hmm. Because we, I don't have rules. They have rules. Um, and I believe that there are no rules. Nobody, in my opinion, on this earth is an expert at this. We're all born with it. We all have this ability. It's not for just me. It's for you too. And that's part of my mission is to to help people understand that is there is no right or wrong way to do this. Whatever works for you works for you. 
But I just have my own journey, my path, and I've discovered what works for me. And I've kind of looked at what's been taught and proved to myself that a lot of that is not necessary. And the reason is, I believe people get frustrated because if it's not happening the way they were taught, then they think they're doing something wrong. And that's not the case. Well, yeah, exactly. And the teachers that say, no, this is the way you have to do it should not be teaching. So there's something there with them and their ego that needs work on their behalf. Because if you're telling somebody you have to do this or you're doing it wrong, that's wrong. Mm, Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Like, Jennifer, when you talked about dancing, I used to be a professional dancer. And after I would dance, I'd be very open, I think, because I was so happy and calm. It definitely moves energy through our body. I'm a big believer in that. And it's just something that, that, you know, I like to do. It's fun. Um, And it's just kind of something that, especially if I've been, I don't know, had a heavy day or had something, it's just something that kind of lifts me and boosts me. So yeah, what I do like, I'll be sitting on, on, you know, waiting for a Zoom or waiting for Michael and the 80s rock is blasting, right? And then I just, or, you know, waiting for a sit or whatever it is. (laughs) Even if I get like seriously 15 seconds of it, I just, it's just something that, that, that fills me. But I think part of that is that, um, when in 2015, when this kind of started opening up for me, I, I used to be a, a a radio DJ. And so music was all around me all of the time. Mm. I was very, very familiar with music. And so it just, it has just been something that, you know, I've always really loved that's actually music is something that um, is one of the biggest things when I realized that my gifts were coming in. I would, uh, a song would would speak to me. You know, I could be sitting with, I would have a sitter across from me and suddenly I would know an artist and a song. Right. That would, that means a lot to them. You know, that spirit is telling me this artist and this song, tell them this, play this. Music came in all the time. So, I just have this connection with music. And then it kind of, as I quit the radio station, it kind of drifted away. You know, I didn't get as much music. And interestingly enough, I thought about this about two weeks ago and I asked Spirit, I said, I'd really like to be able to give people some music again. It's beautiful. It's, you know, music is just its own thing, right? Yeah. And so, so music has been coming back into my readings as well. Oh, that's awesome. It's interesting that also brings me to the mind of the medium Mm -hmm. that Michael and I talk about. Um, You know, it it all comes through our mind. And so the more we know about all different things in this world, uh, the more information we can take in and relate. Interesting. Do you... When you guys sit down with somebody and you're doing a reading, how does spirit come through? Do you see them or do you hear them mind wise do you sense them or is it all of the above i know it's different for everybody it's all of the above um i know when they're there Mm -hmm. um and then from there it's just my mind is surrendered to them so whatever touches my mind i talk about whether i see an image whether i hear a thought word whether i just feel i need to say something i just say it Um, There's no analyzing. There's no trying from, I don't try to understand what it means. And that's the biggest part for mediums to understand is the minute you try to get inside that message and understand it for yourself, that's when your mind is in place now and you just shut off um, the communicator. So our job is to like, keep your mind out of the way. Interesting. You know, and just, yeah. Yeah. And whatever we are, um, seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing, whatever sense it is, because honestly, we, for me, I can't say it's just one because Mm -hmm. they all, they all work together. They all work together when I'm doing this, but uh, we have to say exactly as we're getting it. uh, I think Michael and I have seen this several times, especially when we've been doing live demonstrations. One of us will say something that it just seems so off the wall. It Mm -hmm. does not fit. But boom, that person on that thread understands exactly. We have no idea what this means. And sometimes we feel really silly or goofy or 
we just actually had that happen. So we have to, to learn to get past that, you know, oh, I'm going to look so weird. And what if this is wrong? Uh, and just say it because those are the things that oftentimes mean the most to the sitter. Right. I mean, it can be absolutely anything. It's you just cannot let, in other words, let your mind get in the way at all. Nope. You know, first and intuition is the right thing to say. Right. Uh, because it's their story to tell, it's not ours. Right. And it's here's this just popped into my mind too. And this is this is what probably trips a lot of people up that are just now starting to develop. Is you'll some, see some mediums that will when they're walking or talking through a communication, they make it seem like they're telling a story mm-hmm. and it's all linear. And that is not how this works. I think a lot of people embellish and make more of what's being shown to them or told to them by the spirit. And they try to make it more than what it is. And that's where people start to go down that road of getting a no, because you're mm-hmm. taking an image, say, say, for instance, I get an image of my of a car in my mind, and it's a dad that's coming through for a son. At this point, my mediumship, I just say, your dad shows me a car. I need to talk about a car. And I stop there because if that car is meaningful to them, they already know the story. I don't need to talk about anything else because if I spend more than a millisecond with that car in my mind, I'm going to start creating a storyline in my head. Mm. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I could see that. You know, I say, I need to talk about this car. And they'll be like, oh my God, yes. And they'll go off with the story. I'm like, okay, I never had to say more than that. They understand it. And that's that's a discipline that you have to form when you're doing this work is, um, you know, don't add on to what you're getting. Don't try to make it a, you know, this big dramatic storyline that it's not. You know, if that comes through and says, talk about a lake, I need to talk about a lake. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's a hard one too. It is. It's a hard one. And I don't feel like, you know, the, the, um, I think that that's our human mind. We, we see something, it's like a puzzle. We feel like we need to put it together. This needs to make sense. This comes in and then this image comes in and those two don't go together. So how could they possibly go together? That's the mind that we have to, that we have to not pay any attention to when we're reading because that's just a natural thing, you know, that we do. We want things to make sense. So yeah, that has to go completely to the side. And it is, it's a discipline. It's very hard. It's almost like you, it's, I think it's hard for when people first start anything to keep themselves out of it. It, And that's where the good teachers come in. Yeah. You know, because that's what should be taught right from the beginning. Yeah. I, and I think that would be hard for anyone just starting um, in anything is keeping yourself out of it. I always tell people sometimes, and I know, I know this is really not very nice. Sometimes it's like, it's not about you. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> it, it's no. hard for some people to get around that, but you're, you're not the important part in this puzzle. You're just the communicator. That's it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're the, you're the tool. And that can be taken in so many different ways. Yeah. You could be a good tool or you could just be a tool. So. <laughs> Why did I know you were going to say that? I know. It was the same. I was waiting for it. I was like, oh, here it comes. It's a Gen X thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm sure you guys have some hilarious stuff that comes through. And... What is the most hilarious thing you ever heard come through that you just didn't want to say, but you have to say it? For me, it's the farting son. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they they still come through every now and then. But I mean, um, that's the top of the list. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would have to say that's probably the top. I mean, that's one thing, though. Spirit tries to make us laugh. They want us to laugh. They want their person that's sitting in front of us to laugh. And um, for for a lot, they try to lighten the energy by, you know, sharing that memory of this just popped into my mind. That same farting son was the same one that used to tie his sister to the chair with her hair because she had long hair. So he would tie her oh. to the kitchen chair, you know, and that's something he shared with me for the mom. 
Uh-huh. So again, it's just like, that's what they, they want us to just realize that. Think about the good times. Don't think about how we passed. Sure. Think about those good times and understand. And that's the beauty of mediumship. Mediumship proves beyond a reasonable doubt that we go on in some form after we physically leave this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they want us to do. They want us to share those memories and and plant in our mind that this is temporary. We will see them again. It's just a seal later. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely believe that. Jennifer, how about you? What was the strangest thing that ever came through for you? Well, the strangest is very different than um, <laughs> the most funny, but I, you know, my brain, I, I'm having a hard time actually thinking of one um, to tell you, the one that I would like to tell you that's the most hilarious and is still hilarious to me today. Um, it just is not going to, it's just not going to come across the same. And, and unless I can say the word, I, I don't know if I could say the word. <laughs> so, <laughs> we could always beep you. What is it? So that's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of the thing. But um, no, I had a mother in spirit. And uh, the question was asked of, of the sitter, how did mom feel about dad dating again? Oh, and the response was hysterical. Like she was okay with this. She didn't like have a problem, right? It was time. It was time. But then she said, all is good except for that bitch, Brenda. And (laughs) I said it just like that. And I mean, it was hysterical laughter because dad had just broken up with somebody named Brenda. So Uh it just was, it was just funny. I mean, she was so snappy about it. Oh, I bet. So, you know, just things there, there are so many beautiful moments in mediumship. I always tell my sitters when they come in, look, this is a place, uh, this is a place to cry. This is also a place to laugh because, and both are okay and both are needed. Right. And both are, don't feel bad about, about laughing. That's, that's a big part of this. So there's a lot. Yeah, I think laughter after someone passes is so healing also for the people that are still in body. Oh, absolutely. You know, I always wondered, I I talk to a lot of people and I often wonder, you know, when you're just walking down the street and a loved one pops in your head, you know, and you're shown a memory, is that them just visiting you and saying hello? I believe it is, yes, um, without a doubt, because that's how they work. Especially yeah. when you're not thinking about them or you're not trying to force something to happen. That's when you usually have an experience. Yeah, is when you're least expecting it. It's because your mind's in that receptive, relaxed state. <laughs> you know, for most part, you know, a lot of people will have um, those little visits when they're doing the dishes because they're just sitting there spaced out, just mm-hmm. washing the dishes. Oh yeah. You know, that that's come through a few times for me where, you know, mom will say, yeah, I talked to her when she's doing the dishes and I'll say that and they're like, Oh my God, I'm always thinking about her when I'm doing the dishes. Uh-huh. So yes, <laughs> you know, without a doubt. I'm laughing at that because my other job, I, I work, I do kitchen work a lot, a lot of time. And I really love working in a kitchen and my mom loved to cook. Like that was her thing. Her dream was to have a sandwich shop and a pie shop. And of course, she didn't have that dream. But every time I do certain things, she pops in my head and I have to giggle. I'm like, Mom, I'm at work. <laughs> <laughs> I am. No, yes, I'm baking a pie. <laughs> yeah, I'm baking a pie. Yes, I know. But you can't be here. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing about visits and signs and even mediumship. It's very subtle. Yeah. It it is rarely this great big, you know, this great big boom moment that we're looking for. It's excuse me. It's very, very subtle. And it comes in things like that. Sometimes it feels like our own mind because it is our own mind processing it. So we don't want to discount those. They're very, very important. They they are messages. It is your loved one. Well, and I think movies and shows and things like that sometimes make everything seem so huge and dramatic. And I think that's what people expect. It is. And that's that's one thing we constantly fight is the Hollywood effect on mediumship and psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's probably the most draining part of this is helping people understand what's real or not. Because I'll get some of the strangest requests, you know, I've lost this item. Can you have my mom tell me where it is? No, that's not their job. You know, and and number two with mediumship, and that goes with, you know, us staying out of the way. And that's why, like, during a session, I don't, I don't, I ask people, or I just politely tell them, um, I don't allow you to ask questions. Because the minute you ask me a question, I'm in my mind, and I'm, my mind's now going to search for that answer. It's the same thing when they think you're like a human you know, uh, go find this lost item person, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's not the way it works. Like know, a hound dog, gonna, or yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where's my such and such? You know, there's probably people that do have that ability. Mm-hmm. I can only speak for me, and I don't. Because right. if you say, where did dad put the will? My mind's going to be like, oh, the dresser drawer. Oh, maybe it's the safe, or maybe it's <laughs> in his car. You know, right. and my the spirit side of it is completely out of the way at this point. Now it's just me actively looking for an answer. <laughs> yeah. You want to help them, but it's just, you can't help them. You're just yeah. throwing out suggestions at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not coming from them. Yeah. Because they're coming through to tell you that, hey, I'm okay. You know, and this is me. You know, and that's the, that's a mediumship reading. Yeah. You know, it's. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> Nope, that wasn't me. I do have okay. a bird, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes she makes noise. She's always in the room with me. Out of curiosity, too, do you guys, before you do a reading, do you often have people in spirit visit you before you read for that person? You want to go, Jen, or you want me to go? Um, so... For me, when I'm doing just a, like a private session, generally, no. Sometimes I will feel like their presence, but I won't have a conversation with them. Like if I feel them, it's just like, uh, okay, later. And the only reason that would be happening is that they're in my awareness. My awareness is saying, I have this session later, right? So mm-hmm. I'm kind of open to it. And sometimes, but I always catch it and I'm, and I always, um, just say, okay, Jen, later, like you're not there yet. So that would be with a one-on-one session. But sometimes I'm going to do a group, let's say a group or uh, something online, then I'm really, my mind is really there, right? Right. Um, And I start to feel the energy, but not necessarily the people in spirit. And I don't know if that makes any sense or not. It does, actually. I think it does make sense. The energy kind of starts to build for it mm-hmm. because, because it's on my mind, right? I know it's happening. Right. Does after a reading, does it affect you guys physically ever? No, no. And there's there's a reason for that. While well, you, you, some people will be drained, mm-hmm. some people won't. And I believe the reason for that again is when you're in that 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 connection mode, right? And you're just keeping yourself out of the way. Mm-hmm. And again, just letting spirit talk, you're just speaking the words. To me, that's how mediumship should be. And if you stay in that mode, you're going to be fine. It's when we start going from, you know, spirit sends me this and I question my head. So now I'm out of that 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 brain wave, if you will, that, that hurts because it's all in the brain. And there's that, you know, the the alpha, beta, theta, all them states. Right. When you stay in the, the mediumship mode, you're good. But if you constantly popping in and out of that questioning, you know, you're having this trust or I don't want to make a mistake. And you're thinking these things actively. I believe that's when you get drained because your mind is constantly racing back and forth. That will drain you. Gotcha. So, again, it comes with the discipline of just stay in that mode, be in the receptive mode and just talk about it. Don't think about it. So I think if that makes sense, it does that's for me anyway, because I yeah, rarely feel about, anything. It's about staying in the flow of the reading because I did used to get tired and I was doing exactly what Michael said when I was first learning. I was going in and out and in and out and I was trying to uh, like analyze what does this mean? I was thinking way too hard about it. Uh, and once I realized that and just like stayed in the flow, took the information as it came and and stayed in that flow. I wasn't exerting so much energy. And so I wasn't tired. In fact, sometimes I get done reading mm-hmm. and I feel energized. I don't know if that happens to Michael, but you know, I just, yeah, normal. 
I mean, my normal, I don't, it, I, yeah. <laughs> so however that may appear to other people, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I have, I can't think of any, you know, ill effects I've had from doing a reading, even early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may get tired of a person, but I'm never tired of spirit. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, I understand that completely. (laughs) So, Jennifer, I know you're a healer as well. You move, you work with energy. How does that, do you intertwine all of these things? I try not to. I actually try to keep separate. Okay. Uh, Because if somebody comes to me for a mediumship reading, that's what they're expecting. They're expecting a mediumship reading now. Talk about getting fired. If I started to combine them all, then there I'm not just in, in the flow of it, right? right? Now that's something I never do because oftentimes when I'm in, you know, that space, uh, will will in the psychic readings. Let me put it that way, not in the mediumship readings, but in my psychic readings, they're much more about the energy, and sometimes we will do a healing at the end of it, we'll kind of try to move some of that energy. I do a lot of spaces as well. So into homes, um, and just, you know, just feeling out the energy and just kind of moving, moving that energy. And I'm not talking about spirit energy. I'm just talking about energy. Right. So I will move it. Um, I will send some, whatever, whatever really needs to be done. But no, I don't have a session that is just all encompassing. I do try to keep them as separate, separate things okay. because they are. Just to take time out for a second, you're also a death doula. And I, that is such an incredible thing to do to help people pass over, to be there with them. Out of curiosity, since you are a medium and you're open to that, during that time, does that affect you speaking to to them as they pass on? Do you see them in spirit? Uh, no. Well, I, that's kind of a big question. It's kind of a really big question. So sometimes yes, sometimes no. But when I'm sitting vigil with somebody, when I know that this is the time, you know, that they're passing and the family is aware of that, it usually, so I guess that's a two-part question. (laughs) But yes, I can communicate with them before their body has expired, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So sometimes they're in that state where we don't know that that they're hearing us. And so what happens is that I can have this conversation and, and the loved ones are there. And what will come through is, is almost the same as spirit. Sometimes I'll say a memory, uh, you know, remember this or, or they'll be talking about an object, just, just different, just different things. But a lot of it is bringing back memories and it's just full of love. Now, when they actually transition, uh, it's very, it's very beautiful and you can, you can feel it. But the other thing that's very healing for the loved ones is being able to understand uh, who is here in spirit that has already passed. That's here to support this transit, this transition and this journey. And that's what is really, really beautiful because that comes through very evidential. So I would say I spend most of the time communicating um, with, with spirit but not necessarily the person that is transitioning. So okay. I hope that answers that question. It does. I, I think what you do, that's absolutely incredible. Thank you. It actually is one of, I know it sounds very strange, but it's actually one of the most rewarding, um, beautiful parts about what I've been able to do with this ability. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Michael. A question yes. for you. Out of curiosity, you know I'm a big animal fan, right? Yeah. Huge in animals. Do you ever have any animals come to you? Yes, without a doubt. Um, <clears throat> usually they sneak in hey. during a reading. <laughs> um, and that's always a special moment. Um, but yeah, uh, and they communicate just like 
uh, a spirit person would. Mm-hmm. There's no difference because it's energy. So um, they'll they'll convey their thoughts, <laughs> whatever needs to be said. But animals are unique that it's one of the few that I will actually ask questions to them when they come through because a dog is a dog. So dog, are, they're going to have their mm-hmm. traits, their normal behaviors. So I usually just ask them, you know, I do that by just sending them the thought, you know, give me something, tell me something that you did that was unique, right? you know, to them, like a behavior that was not just a typical dog thing. And they usually will, because again, what evidence, I have to have evidence. I can't just say your dog's here and, oh, he loves you and he used to sit on your lap and he used to pee on your carpet, you know, that's a dog. <laughs> yeah, um, that's all dogs. So, <laughs> you know, so it's got to be something pretty unique to them and they they all pets have they're a unique trait mm-hmm, yes. and that's typically what comes through initially yeah you know and the same thing they'll they'll share or i'll become aware of how they passed a, a condition that they had that you know which you know unfortunately the owners had to put them down and most times i should say all the time when that comes up they want to thank their owner for that selfless act you know because it takes a lot it's hard <sighs> You're losing a member of your family, but for them, it's like, you know, they'll hang around as long as they can. They want to be there for you. But at the same time, it's like they just express gratitude that, you know, they took that step. Now they're not suffering. Yeah, I think that's really comforting for people out there that are animal lovers, because it is difficult to put an animal to sleep. It's so hard. It is. You know, and again, with this work, you know, you're never going to get over the loss of anybody. Yeah. You're not, uh, whether it's a person, pet. Um, but again, you know, mediumship just gives us that that warm hug, if you will, or knowing that this is temporary. We're all going to have, we're going to see each other again soon. Mm-hmm. You know, going forward without them physically here, that's the hard part that we will never get over. We never get over it. We may learn to live with that. Right. Um, but, you know, we're never and we never should get over that. They're a part of our life. They always will be. So, Absolutely. again, it's just comfort knowing that we'll see them again. Pets will be first in line <laughs> when we get over there. <laughs> I might be trampled, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love my animals. Now, also for you, Jennifer, do they come through a lot for you as well? Well, this is an interesting question for me because they do. They come through for me as well. But uh also, I just finished a an animal communication course, and it is not only for past pet pets, but for living. Mm-hmm. Um, just finished that up actually yesterday, which is interesting. And I'm starting an animal Reiki course. So I've been really drawn to the animals myself lately, and I I love when when they come in because, like Michael said, they're just so pure, and it's just yeah, it's just this different kind of something so we were talking about earlier about developing right and i thought mm-hmm. "Ooh, this what i'm going to do i'm going to take this animal communication <laughs> course <laughs> animal reiki so that's yeah. what i'm learning or what i should say i'm developing more yeah i that's what i am looking for that's what i thought I wanted to do more lately is work with the animals on that level because i i love animals i have no idea why but i love them like you said, they're pure, they're happiness, they're awesome. They're not a pain in the ass like humans. <laughs> You're yeah. so right. <laughs> I love people. I mean, people, they're a pain in the ass at times, but in a different way. Yes. I, I like people, but, you know, when I, after work or after I go to anything, I like to be in my home space. And I'm sure you yeah. guys do too, because everybody probably asks you so many questions all the time living and not living it can get quite peopley out there it really yeah. can <laughs> yeah how about in the how about spiritually do you, they come to you in spirit if your guard is down do you you have to set limits is that correct again it's in the mind i when i'm not doing this i'm not doing this and they're That's not there awesome. i don't i am oblivious to anything spirit because i'm not thinking of them and there again it's a discipline yeah. You have a time to work and you have a time not to work. And when people blur those lines, that's the ones that are constantly burned out because they don't stop. Right. And it's that self-care that you hear everybody talk about. 
But discipline is self-care. When I'm not working, I'm not thinking of them. I don't talk about spirit. I don't, it's not part of my daily activities unless I'm purposely sitting down to do work in that area. Other than that, it's like I'm a normal human, just like everybody else. I think that's awesome that you do that because, you know, you hear so many people that work in the field, they're exhausted, they get sick Mm -hmm. because they don't know that line at all. They just keep, like you say, keep going and they suffer the consequences from that. You know, when it's new, it's like a new toy. You know, it's like, oh my God, I just discovered disability. I was guilty of that too. I went nine months straight every day doing something. Mm -hmm. And I hit that wall at nine months and it was like, holy crap, I didn't want to ever see this or touch it again. Yeah. You know, so that was my first lesson. And no, there's a time and a place. And then even more when you are crazy enough to step out and professionally do this, you definitely have to have those boundaries in in place and the discipline in place or you will not last long. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Wow. Jennifer, how do you feel about that? Uh, just like Michael was saying, but you know, when we, when we go to, they're not even breaks, but what I have learned, what I did learn very quickly Michael was talking about, you know, he went with this nine month span and then he just burned out. Uh, what I have learned is that when I step away, when I'm working, I'm working and then I step away. Right. And then when I'm working, I'm working. Yeah. It, I, I kind of, um, sorry, I just lost my words for some reason. That's you, old age. You're going to have to blip this part out. It's <laughs> <laughs> not old age. It's called. <laughs> <laughs> we're exactly the same age so. <laughs> oh my gosh so it, it, i kind of liken it to you know what if you're being nose blind if you are in a room and there's a certain smell and you smell it for a while right, right. and then after a while you no longer smell it you are not aware of it anymore mm-hmm. so for me what we surround ourselves with we kind of we don't become, but we we become immersed in it. I find when I set those boundaries and I step away, mm-hmm. I'm actually a better medium. My my work is better. It's like I'm stepping into it again. I'm feeling the um, the wow again. I'm feeling, you know, I yeah. I don't know really how to explain that. But if it was in my awareness twenty four seven, that would be lost a little bit, right? No, I understand that. I understand that completely. Yeah, you never want it to become a job. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because once something becomes work, 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 it loses its passion. Yep. You know, unfortunately, that's the facts. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with everything you guys do every day, it, it, this is what you do for a living now. So turning that off is essential. But have you ever had anything stubborn that says, hey, I want you to listen, like persistent? No. Nope. That's awesome. And I'm not being I'm not being bold and I'm not it's not, you know, anything but that. No. Yeah. Spirit, spirit, the spirit world is a, a world of intelligence. They understand those boundaries. So they don't mm-hmm. they don't push those boundaries. If you're disciplined with that, they know my boundaries. They know that I, that's unacceptable behavior. That's awesome. So it doesn't happen, you know. Um, so that's just me. But again, it's just I, all I can speak of is my my reality and my my discipline and, you know, just what I've learned over the years, how to go about this. So they are not intrusive at all. Not with me, because they know they'll get a quick get the F away from me. Yeah. Not now. <laughs> You're not allowed and, to be and, in here. You have to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like when something wakes you up in the middle of the night. You have to go now. Out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you have to have those boundaries because it has happened to me. And it was very, very early on in my development. And I didn't I didn't know that I could set those boundaries. And honestly, I had this fear. If I say no, they might never come back again. If I'm not on 24-7, I might lose this. Um, I've got to soak up all of this. I've got to take all of this uh, in right now. And it wasn't until I learned and I realized that I don't, that I could set the boundaries, Mm -hmm. that I did have to have, you know, the breaks, that I didn't have to be thinking about it 24-7. It wasn't going to go anywhere, right? Right. Right. That 
that. So it was a learning process for me because I did have some of that. It was a learning curve. And once I, once I learned that, um, it stopped. Okay. That's awesome. Now, do you guys think, you know, a lot of the people that do investigations and stuff sometimes feel bombarded? Is it because they don't set those boundaries? They just let I have everything whole, in? I, I, have I, a whole, I have a whole set of opinions about investigations. You just, you just opened a whole can of worms right here. <laughs> I have something I would, would like to say about that, though. You I, I really do. I think that what happens on investigations, and this is not, okay, not even necessarily paranormal investigations, that too, but a whole bunch of things. Let's say a haunted house, or let's say a house that just isn't. And when I say haunted house, I'm talking about a commercial one, one that's made to be that way, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or or whatever it is. I feel like what's happening is it's not necessarily the spirit that's bombarding them. It's just the energy of the place itself. We have built up the energy in our mind. We've heard stories of this. We are expecting this. We're looking for this. We're going in with this mindset um, that there's something. And so we're almost creating it in a way. I feel a lot of the energy that 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 people are feeling in this place. Yes, buildings hold energy, but not that doesn't mean it is spirit energy that they are feeling. It just doesn't. It could be. I'm not discounting that it could be. But what I'm saying is there are so many other factors that play into how people and why they feel bombarded when they go on these. They're picking up other people's energy, their emotion. They're scared. The the people that were here maybe three weeks ago were terrified and they were screaming. You're still going to feel that if you are uh, an empath or if you are sensitive to energy in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. I feel like what's happening is a collection of all of these other different energies. And maybe you got a spirit or two sprinkled in there. Uh, I agree. Uh, but, you know, I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm gonna let Michael go. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready, Michael. <laughs> I I tread lightly on this topic. I do too, because I, I know people are gonna get uh, upset. But again, this is my opinion, so take it for what it's worth. Just like Jen said, you know, if if you have this mindset of that place is fearful or whatever, that's what you're gonna experience. Just like this, if you happen to walk into a room and someone has a cold. And you're just fearful that I'm going to get this cold. Now this is this is in your mind, yeah. you know. And now tomorrow, you're like I know tomorrow I'm going to have a sore throat. And lo and behold, you wake up tomorrow and you got a sore throat. Was that because of the person in the room? Or now you just manifested that by just your body, your mind is a very powerful, you know, instrument. Right. And yeah, you weakened your, your defenses. Your body's going to react to those thoughts of, "Oh my God, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick." And you've probably you you've probably at least heard of a person that was a hypochondriac that they're sick all the time. Why? Because they're always thinking, I'm sick, I'm right. sick, I'm sick. It's the same thing with a lot of these environments that they're not haunted at all. It's just like Jen said, the energy. Now, the the little bit of experience I have when I've gone in these places, I usually pick up on the spirit people that are connected to the investigators. Oh, it's never been the person, not just this this stray spirit that's been trapped there for 400 years and this human all of a sudden walks in and now that human's their savior. I don't believe that for a second. You know, and that comes along with the, their trapped spirits. That's nonsense because I can't allow my mind to comprehend that this poor soul has been trapped in that location for 400 years and their guides and their family, their friends on the other side have not helped them in some way, but that doesn't work. But this human's going to walk in with their ghost meter and say, I send you to the light. And that's mm-hmm. all they took. No, not at all. <laughs> I can't allow myself to believe that. Not for a second. <laughs> and that's yeah, interesting so we, that you said that sometimes you pick up on people around them, the investigators. Yes. yes. Um, and I'm not going to say I know everything because I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not discounting anybody's experiences, but I think a, a majority of these experiences are conjured in the mind because you have that thought, that notion going into this place. Sure. Correct. So I have when I go into when I go into homes or I go into um, 
to businesses to to clear energy or someone calls me and they've got something going on uh i can walk into the home and i can generally and this is a psychic sense though right i can i can understand what's happening in the home i can understand what's making them feel some kind of way i can usually walk through the home and be able to tell them this happened here and this happened here and they can validate that because it's within their own this isn't something that happened 100 years ago but this is what's happening in the home. This is where you feel like you saw this. This is here. This is here. I can pick it up uh, instantly, but it's not. That's just what's happening is again, the building has memory. The building is storing memories. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm picking up on. If I didn't understand that though, I might go in there and feel like, Ooh, this spirit did this and this and, and this. Um, but really I'm just picking up residual. I'm picking up echoes. Right. And to me, that makes sense because I always feel like houses have personalities. Oh, 100% they do. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I love my house. It's a 1938 bungalow. And when I first moved in, I could touch the walls or whatever. It felt happy. I loved that. Love that. And... When you go into a place like that, um, Jennifer, is it usually not a haunting then? It's just memories then that you're picking up on? I mean, it's not an intelligent haunting. I'm going to put it that way. I do believe that some buildings can be what we would call haunted, basically lingering, right? Right. Uh, Haunted residually. So let's let's take let's take an asylum. People always like to talk about asylums or go to asylums or hospitals. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some stuff, some not so pleasant stuff has happened in those places, right? Right. And again, that energy is going to stay. It's going to stay from the residents that were there, whatever they were feeling, whatever they were going through, the staff that was there, the family that was there. Let's say uh, somebody passed away in there. It, you're going to feel it because the building's going to hold the energy, but the building's not going to hold the spirit of the person that passed. Gotcha. Now, this is just my own thoughts. Like, I'm not trying to... <laughs> this is just my own thought. <laughs> uh, my own just... And my own experience yeah. with. So um, it's not that it's not haunted intelligently. No spirit that I, that I do, like Michael said, spirit that I do uh, connect with is generally connected to the family in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, it, it's, it's grandma or, or it's, you know, this other person I, I did a home not very long ago and it, when I walked in, you talk about personalities. The home just had all of this sadness. It was so, so mm. sad. It was a room, you know, that was extremely sad. And what I picked up on was child loss, right? And so right. from there, the home connect with the child. Uh, the reason that the home just felt like it did and that the energy felt bad was that it was sad. The home was depressed, um, but not haunted, certainly not haunted by this child right it's just feeling the sadness the home yes the home can feel it and the home can react wow to sadness any kind of trauma now do you both work with your spirit guides not during readings i don't i don't involve my guides with anything or any outside of me communicating with them Mm -hmm. for my own needs or guidance that's i don't you know i don't use them to communicate with other spirit okay yeah it's i i prefer direct to the person the spirit person yeah i connect direct as well but of course i do utilize my spirit guides for my own personal sometimes i have conversations with them right yep. <laughs> yeah usually, usually in the line was what the hell was that about <laughs> right you know, where, where, where were you on that one <laughs> It's all right. I, I fired mine one time. Yeah. <laughs> that was dumb. I shouldn't have never. It, they let me know. <laughs> they have Uh-oh, a good yeah, sense I, of humor. <laughs> yeah, they know. I mean, I've, I've, I've give, given them the F speech several times. So, <laughs> so they, they know, they know me. <laughs> 
So what is next for you guys? Are, are you guys teaching classes? What are you doing? Yep, I teach. Um, let's see what else. Teach, do readings, you know, on one-on-one readings. <laughs> I do group readings. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think what else. <laughs> I have no idea what's the coming. The top three is the teaching, right? the, the readings. What's that? I'm, I think... The question was, what's coming next? And I'm thinking, I have no idea what's coming next. This is a journey. This is a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can plan all I want. <laughs> oh yeah. I stopped trying to plan things. But out. I have no idea what's coming next. <laughs> and now Jennifer, do you also teach? I do. I do teach some classes. Um, I teach locally. Mm-hmm. I haven't done any, any, you know, zoom classes or anything like that, but I do, I do teach locally. I do some, some mentoring. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a hundred percent. Um, and I tell my, my students this as well. I, I don't know everything and I don't know what I'm teaching you today. <laughs> We're just going to okay. see where this goes. I like that though. I, I think, I think you that's know, unique, I, <laughs> <laughs> but it works, right? It works. Yeah. I, I'm not hundred percent confident in my teaching skills yet. So, um, I, I don't think I anybody ever gets to that point. Cause yeah. I know I'm not either, but people are like, you need to teach, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'll teach. And I just teach from my experience. You know, I teach my philosophy, what, what I've experienced, the pitfalls to avoid, you know, the ups and downs that I've encountered to hopefully mm-hmm. help them from going down that road and saving them time. Um, cause I don't think anybody knows hundred percent of what they're talking about. So I think we just do the best with what we have. And I've learned slowly that, yeah, <laughs> people, if people are asking me that, you know, to teach, then there's, they're seeing something that, you know, maybe I'm not seeing, but I just usually open my mouth and I speak my truth and it resonates with some and some probably look at me and go, well, he's an a-hole and that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> I would I'm take your class pleaser. just because of that right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's the type of person I am, you know, um, I, I speak my truth. I teach my, my, my way from my experience. And some people are going to resonate with that. And some people are going to go, you're going to hell when you're done here. And I'm like, well, I'm driving the bus. So you want to ride? <laughs> <laughs> At some point I would like to do, um, at some point, I, I do hope to be doing galleries that are not all virtual. I do hope to be doing some, you know, some live galleries that I don't know how far off that is for me. It's just kind of something that's always been in my mind. Um, so perhaps the future holds that for me. I don't know. But it is uh, something that that I I do hope to do at some point. Right. Now, Jennifer, where are you from? If you don't mind me asking. I am in, no, you're fine. I am in Northeastern Utah. Oh, how beautiful. Right here in the corner, I got Wyoming on, on the one corner and Colorado on the other. So just nestled in there in that corner. If you've ever heard of the Uena Basin, that's the area mm-hmm. that I'm in. Wow. Now, where are you from, Michael? I'm in North Dakota, so I can see Utah from here. I can see the Statue of Liberty out my south window <laughs> or my east window because it's flat as can be out here. So there are no mountains. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it gets cold there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're already it's coming. Today was probably the last day we'll see 60s. It's supposed Ooh. to be in like high 30s by next Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, uh, no, that no, thank time you. Of the year. no, thank you. <laughs> You guys, I want to thank you for coming on Twilight Tonic. Thank you for having us. I I really enjoy talking to you, Michael, even though you think you're a-hole. I like you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I don't. Well, yeah, I guess I do think I'm that sometimes, but I was was referring to other people thinking that of me. (laughs) Oh, like, no, you're not. Like, where are you getting this? Every time I've ever communicated with Michael, he's been so kind I was like, what do you mean? You, you're you not. Jennifer, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I want to thank you both for doing your work. It's very important work. Thank you. And I hope, again, you guys will come back on at some point and grace me with more information. Yeah, we can, we can, we can, uh, 
you know, bump up some un, not unpopular topics, um, controversial topics. There that would go. be we fun. Talk about I, some... I like that stuff. I love that stuff. I do too, because I want people to think for themselves. I think that's why I, I say some of the things I do, because I think it's important for people to just break out of these molds, you know, and do your own thing. It's important yeah. to do your own thing. Absolutely. Think for yourself, put your spin on it. <laughs> so. Yeah, speaking of doing your own thing. Yeah. Um, you could find um Michael and I on TikTok or sometimes on Facebook doing demonstrations um together. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of a thing that we've been doing. He's got a page, I've got a page. Um we do them separately, we do them together. So if you want to catch some of our work, um, that would be a place to do that. Awesome. And you know, stay on after we are done and I'll set a date so we can talk about some of those things you guys want to talk about i think that'd be a blast sounds like a plan (laughs) thank you again and you guys have a fabulous week you too you too thank you